Welcome to Good Girls Talk About Sex. I am sex and intimacy coach Leah Carey, and this is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. Hey friends, I can hardly believe it, but today's episode marks a huge milestone. It's number 100. When I launched this show back in January 2019, I couldn't imagine this far into the future. I was excited that I'd have a 13-episode first season. Getting that first season done was a challenge because approaching women who didn't know me well to say, will you have a conversation with me about your sex life? Elicited looks that ranged from puzzled to scandalized. I had nothing to offer them to demonstrate the depth or sensitivity with which I wanted to handle the topic. So many of them assumed, understandably, that it would be terribly salacious. And the rest said, I don't have anything interesting to talk about. Now I have a track record. So fears about salaciousness can be quelled pretty easily. Plus, I love it when listeners let me know they want to be guests. But it remains a challenge to convince people that I'm not looking for wild stories about orgies, though I'll happily accept them if they show up. I'm just looking for ordinary, everyday women to talk about a topic that has been hidden under the covers for far too long. So here we are. 100 episodes later, I'm incredibly proud of this collection of stories, and I'm raring to start the next 100. In fact, as I record this, the next 11 interviews have already been recorded. So thank you for joining me in this journey. If you've never left a rating or review, I'd be really appreciative of you doing that. I don't ask often anymore, but those ratings and reviews are really meaningful as social proof to others that this podcast is worthwhile. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. When I finished this interview with Arblia, I went onto Instagram and posted in my stories, every once in a while, someone crawls into my heart during an interview, and I don't want the conversation to end. I just had one of those. I'm so happy to finally be able to share this conversation with you and for it to land as our landmark 100th episode. Arblia is Asian Hmong American. It can be challenging to get Asian women to speak with me, both because of cultural prohibitions and also because Asian women experience such intense sexual fetishization that this conversation is exponentially more vulnerable for them than it is for a middle-class white woman like me. 
So when Arblia contacted me to say that she's a fan of the show and was considering doing an interview, I made sure we got a time on the calendar immediately before she could change her mind. And I'm so glad we did, because I got a glimpse into a world that I knew nothing about. One important note before we get started. In this episode, you'll hear a story that might lead you to make assumptions about how all Hmong families function or how all Hmong men treat girls. And I want to caution against that. Arblia is one woman with one story. Her experience is not representative of an entire culture or ethnic group any more than you and your family are representatives of your entire culture, race, or religion. Arblia is a 27-year-old cisgender female. She describes herself as straight, monogamous, and partnered with her boyfriend of five years. She describes her body as average, though by white American standards, many of us would probably consider her quite petite. I'm so pleased to introduce Arblia. Arblia, I am thrilled to have you on today. I, I told you before we started recording that um, it's a challenge to find women of Asian descent who are interested in doing this podcast. And, and there are a lot of reasons for that. And I understand them. But it makes me all the more excited when an Asian woman steps up and says, yes, I would like to do an interview. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much for everything that you do. Your podcast was the reason I'm here. Oh. Well, I'm very excited to talk to you and hear your story. Um, and as you know, because you are a listener, uh, I start all of my conversations in the same place, which mm -hmm. is what is your first memory of sexual pleasure? Yeah, um, I love this question because um, it was the question that did it all for me that, you know, everything started making sense, you know? Mm. Yeah, because I've, I've never thought of it. The m more episodes I start listening to, the more I start kind of answering along with your guess <laughs> in my own head. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I, I know this. Like, it's all coming together. But um, my first memory of sexual pleasure was uh, around four or five years old. And my my parents were newly immigrants, and I had, like, three other siblings. So there were four of us. So I came here when I was, like, seven months old. Mm -hmm. And all my siblings, we were all born back to back. And... I think it happened um, during bath time. Kids are annoying during bath times. <laughs> you just <laughs> you just want to get them in, and they don't want to go in. But when they're in, they don't want to come out. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, how my mom would give us bath? Um, she would just have all of us go into the tub, um, and then she would go down the line, like the assembly line. <laughs> yeah. You know, shampoo here down the line. La la la. And uh, I think she when she was soaping us our body and uh, she must have accidentally slipped her finger down there or something. And it was totally like innocent, you know, and I'm just kind of like, oh, like that kind of tickles. Like it, it felt good, you know, yeah. but I'm just like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and soon after that, I was just trying to replicate that, um, that feeling yeah. and, uh, and, I guess I start masturbating at that young of an age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And so did you, did you come to something that you would now recognize as an orgasm? Um, probably. Yeah. yeah. What did you think about what you were doing? Did you have any sense that this was something that was maybe not to be talked about or did it not cross your mind? Um, no, it didn't cross my mind at first until, uh, my dad made fun of me for it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he made fun of me for it. And then, um, I, you know, I, cause I was just doing it out in the open during like TV dinner and I was just, the way that I masturbated, um, I lay on my side and then I would cup my, uh, vulva with my hand and then I would like kind of, uh, with my thighs, just kind of like making like, you know, tense them up, you know, mm-hmm. back and forth, kind of just to create like that vibration down there. And, you know, I, I look like a little kid seizing on the floor. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then uh, one night we were, you know, having TV dinner and um, I was probably on the floor doing that. And they probably know I was masturbating, but they didn't really know how to go about it. So my dad ended up making fun of me. He was just like, why do you do that? And then he kind of mocked the way I was <gasps> masturbating. Oh, and no. um yeah, and he was just like, why do you do that? Don't do that. And I'm like that and I'm like, oh, I don't know why I do that. I don't know. Like I did I guess I didn't realize well at the time I didn't know that it was for pleasure. It, it just felt good, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't do this out in the open. And uh, I still did it out in the open, but under a blanket. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like he, he said that in a way that was joking enough that you didn't take on a huge amount of shame about it. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for dad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My, my dad's a pretty funny guy. He jokes around a lot. Um, I knew that I sh- shouldn't be just doing it out in the open. And for some reason, my five, six year old brain thinks doing it under the blanket, <laughs> nobody would see. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and did you see any of your other siblings doing anything that looked like masturbation? Probably just my brother playing with his penis. But <laughs> other than that, I don't have any memory of uh, my younger sisters doing anything. Yeah. So you were sort of the rebel in the group. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did any of them come to you at any point and say, like, what is this thing you're doing? Like, were they curious? No. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So – you come from a very different culture than my own. So there are going to be some questions I don't even know to ask. But just at the beginning, I want to ask what kinds of cultural messages were you receiving about sex and sexuality as a child and a teenager? Uh, well, sex and marriage, it like is a package. Uh, you either have you either get married to have sex or you have sex to get married. Um, <laughs> yeah. In the Hmong culture, it's saving face and saving your name is a very big thing. So if there's these two lovers who aren't allowed to be together because their parents don't like each other or that, I don't know, dumb issues, um, 
sometimes they would have sex and because once you have sex for a girl in the Hmong culture for a girl once you have sex premarital sex you lose your value and if um the guy doesn't marry you then you're kind of out of luck mm. and because you know like nobody wants you because you're no longer a virgin you're no longer pure so in the Hmong culture is the same emphasis put on that for boys? Like once you've had sex, then you are done <laughs> or is there more? No, no, boys can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's so yeah. annoying. <laughs> Did you grow up in a Hmong community surrounded by other people who had the same values and belief system? Yeah, and um, it's mostly family because uh, in the Hmong culture, uh, family is a big thing, and we do we gather in large, large groups, and uh, you know, gossip happens. So if you have premarital sex, people are gonna talk. Everyone's gonna know, mm -hmm. and then um, you're out of luck. And you, if you're lucky, if like maybe uh, a widow man mm -hmm. would want you, you know, and that's like the best you could have. Mm -hmm which is really sad. But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this sounds like the kind of messaging that's so pervasive, you would have gotten it even as a young child. Is that true? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And even in uh, movies, like Hmong movies, that's all it's all about. Relationship, sex, and um, the culture around, around it all, you know? Yeah, sure. So at what point did you start hearing that message and thinking, I don't know if this works for me? Because I'm assuming mm. since you're in a five-year relationship, <laughs> yeah. that this is a message <laughs> you have not taken on because you're not married. So yeah. at what point did you begin to think, eh, maybe not? Before my current boyfriend, I was dating for four years with another mm -hmm. with another guy. And we were fresh out of high school and uh, we were going to college. and. We didn't have sex. We we wanted to wait for marriage because that's, you know, we wanted to do it right, mm -hmm. right. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of sexual tension, though, like a lot. <laughs> but if I were to have premarital sex and then um, my parents would, you know, lose face because I was, they didn't raise me right. Mm. So it reflected on the parents' parenting and their morals and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. We had sex once towards the end of our relationship because uh, I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to marry him anyways. And there was just so much sexual tension built up. And I was off to college. I have my own place. My parents aren't there. Nobody will know. Uh, it was just between the two of us, you know. You know, it was consensual. Both of us agreed. Um, yeah, I, it wasn't impressive <laughs> as <laughs> what I thought it would be, you know, from all the stories and like, uh, I want to go back again because I, I sort of took you out into the future a little bit. You said that you're inside a among community that is made up largely of family groups. So where would there even have been somebody for you to meet who was appropriate for you to date? Marriage within relatives is actually traditionally preferred. Oh. Let's see, like, not like my first cousins or anything like mm -hmm. that, but 
it's okay for me to marry my mom's cousin mm-hmm. or my mom's uncle or something like that. It's okay for my brother to marry like my dad's aunt's daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason for that is mainly because um, just to keep the family close, knit tight. And if drama ever comes up, you know, they could keep it hush hush because it's within the family, you know? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it sounds like this um, prohibition on premarital sex is a cultural and social edict rather than a religious edict. Is that true? Yes. So there's mm-hmm. not like this idea that God will be mad at you if. No, Mm-mm. our religion is uh, shamanism, and uh, that's more the spiritual of worshiping our ancestors for good luck and for wealth and all that stuff. Nothing, yeah, nothing other than that. Mm-hmm. Were you going to uh, an English, uh, an American school, or were you going to a school within the Hmong community? Um, no, it was just um, a regular public school. Public school. Mm-hmm. That's the word I was looking yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Did you get sex ed in school at all? Um, Just the typical separate boys and girls. And <laughs> this is the vulva, vagina. Yeah. You don't do drugs. Don't have sex. <laughs> pregnancy. <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Just the very typical stuff. Yeah. Pregnancy prevention, disease yes. prevention. Mm-hmm. That's about yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. So what did you know about birth control going into your first relationship? Were you like, did you understand what the various options were? And did you have access to them? No, because I, it was clear to me that I wanted to wait for marriage. So I didn't care f- to look up anything about birth control or I didn't need to worry myself about all that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, you mentioned that you had a boyfriend in high school. Yeah, we were together for almost four years. Mm -hmm. So you were with him from your junior year through your, did you go to college, your sophomore year of college? Yes. Okay. Right Right about there. Mm -hmm. Do you remember your very first kiss? Maybe it was with the boy before my freshman year. I think it was him. Yeah. Uh, we went to uh, a college prep program, like mm-hmm. three hours away from home. I think he was my first kiss. Yeah. I was very forward with my sexual desires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell yeah, me more. It, I think kind of scared him a little bit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't, like, it was just like a lot of body to body, like hugging and just, I remembered um, uh, the girls stayed on the first floor and then the boys stayed on the two floors above us at the dorm mm-hmm. college that we were at. And everybody kind of hangs out in the basement where the all the activity, the lounges and all that. And oh, he would walk me up to my floor and uh, we were in the stairway and I just wanted to just touch and like, like, be close and intimate and um you know i wanted to be like pushed against the wall and like <laughs> like in the movies and like french kiss me you yeah. know <laughs> and but no he uh, i think i was the one that had to push him against the wall <laughs> and um uh, i think i was the one that kissed him and i i just wanted to like 
body slammed him. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I remember him commenting, well, like, isn't this a little too fast? And, but I don't remember saying anything else or in return. I just, just kind of continued that. And then for like a couple of minutes and then we just kind of went our ways. But yeah, yeah I, I must have scared him a little. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy the kiss itself? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, I adored him a lot. Um, so yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> and was he from the same culture that you are? Or was it? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. piece of he, it made sense. <laughs> yeah. So he was a little bit younger than me by like a year and a half. Well, no wonder you had to initiate. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Uh, That's actually, that's such a sweet story. I love it. (laughs) I still wonder how he's doing it today and like if he remembers that at all. (laughs) Well, maybe when this is done, you can send him this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) So uh, that happens before your freshman year. Then does anything else happen between freshman year and junior year when you um, meet your next boyfriend or your first boyfriend? Um, no, not really. I was kind of talking to guys, but I didn't want to talk to them. Um, my my cousins were trying to hook me up with some of their her uh, their boyfriend's friends, and uh, I I was in a time where I'm just like. I was not interested in guys. I just, and I just didn't like male attention because of uh, the, it's a part of the culture that just made me dislike the attention from men. And uh, I was just not interested at all in guys. So nothing much happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Were you ever interested in any of the white boys or the, you know, (laughs) the boys Mm -hmm. around you? (laughs) Um, I've, I've always thought they were cute, but that's kind of as far as it goes. Uh, cause at the time, uh, uh, interracial relationship was a big no, no in the Hmong culture. Yeah. Yeah. Is that still true? Yeah. There's still stuff going on. Um, people still shame on, uh, especially women, shame on women who is married to, uh, other races. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Next is the boyfriend who you met junior year. How did that relationship start? Uh, I think we had a um, school club for uh, Hmong students and we had a meeting and I, I must have seen him around school like a couple times, but I just, I did not take notice of, I don't take notice of guys. And I think that one day, like I noticed him like, oh, he's kind of cute. So, um, uh, I guess you could say I started stalking him. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to figure out what, when his last class is so yeah. that I can accidentally bump into him and like make him notice me. Yes. You know? Yeah. It was that, that kind of story. And, um, I was very obvious. So one day he, he walked me down to my locker and I'm just like, holy shit. Like it's something's happening. I'm like, whoa, like, Whoa, 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 whoa. And then uh, he had asked me if I had anything to say to him. And I was so nervous. I'm just, I just stay quiet the whole time. And I'm just like, 
And then after that, like, I stopped, like, I didn't see him in the hallway as much anymore. And I was just like, holy shit, like, is he avoiding me? I'm like, oh, I was so uh, brokenhearted for that, <laughs> by that. And I'm like, oh, maybe I should have said something. Like, it could have gone somewhere. And then um, a couple weeks, oh, listen, maybe a couple of days later, uh, it felt like weeks, but probably just a couple of days <laughs> later, um, he walked me down again. And uh, he asked me the same question question and um uh, i said i like you very much and he's like okay i know that and i'm like oh wow <laughs> that's kind of a dick move i think <laughs> i'm like okay well you made me feel all this anxiety for just to say i know you know yeah. um, that was but, really really brave of you to say those yeah. words <laughs> super brave yeah, yeah yeah and especially for a girl um growing up where we're discouraged to express our feelings or to you know speak our mind hold our tongue be that kind of docile submissive you know um yeah and so yeah so that was really hard for me to say but i said it and um yeah we started dating a little bit after that and you said that there wasn't sex was there fooling around no just more like just hugs and just being lots of kisses, uh, touching, but we never went down to the genital area. Mm -hmm. I don't remember him being around my breasts at all, I think, because, um, I think we were trying to respect that boundary or just, so just lots of make out sessions. Yeah. <laughs> and so you said with the boy before freshman year that you just wanted him to throw you up against the wall. Yeah. Is that <laughs> was that something that they did in high school? Yeah. Yeah. I I wanted that. I even had like dreams about like um, you know, that strong sexual feeling where I just, you know, I even had dreams where like uh I would set up something in the garage or something and we were accidentally stumbled upon <laughs> like upon it and then oops we are accidentally more intimate than we yeah. should be <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> did you tell him that these were your fantasies no no because i when i was with him i he was more uh of mature i guess and i felt like i have to be mature with him and that's you know reason why i broke up with him because uh when i moved out for school i realized who i really want to be mm. you know but when i was with him um i just felt like i have to be this prim and proper i can't speak my mind i didn't allow myself to have an opinion mm. with him mm -hmm. And he would, um, he's a, he's a great guy, but, um, he would try to ask questions to stimulate conversation. But because I was so scared that he was going to judge me for speaking my mind, uh, I just, I always end up really not answering his questions or just saying, I don't know. So it was f four years <laughs> long of that. <laughs> and, I thought I was going to marry this guy. So Were, before that last period, when you said you started to realize who you wanted to actually be, were you happy in that relationship? Mm. Or was there a sense of dissatisfaction? You know, I I think there was a sense of dissatisfaction. Like, I, I want to think of myself as I'm more fun and more joking kind of a person. But he was mm -hmm. more serious. 
So we were like kind of opposites. Yeah. So definitely I wanted someone to flirt with and just be fun with. Um, but he, uh, I remembered sending him a music video because I love music. You know, I love K-pop. I love music. And I sent it to him for the first time. And he's like, why did you send mm. me that? And I think that kind of s- that small moment just kind of s- solidified that. Oh, I, I shouldn't share yeah. who I am with him. Uh, because, you know, like he's going to take it the wrong way or that something about me having to yeah. win his approval. I, I'm thinking about what a big deal that is as a very young woman to mm-hmm. recognize that this isn't the person that I want to be in relationship. There are so many of us who didn't realize that until much, much later. And so I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, partially, I just want to say, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> but, uh, but also, <laughs> I guess I'm curious, like, what do you think allowed you to have that level of self knowledge? Um, it was because of my, my current boyfriend. <laughs> oh, my ex boyfriend and I, we went to different college. So it was a long distance relationship for like a year and a half. And I thought we were doing okay. You know, I thought I was okay with who I was. Um, and honestly, my, my best friend at the time, I was so, I like shut her out ever since I started dating my, my ex-boyfriend. She could tell I was different, but I wasn't mm-hmm. able to. Um, but she couldn't have the heart to say it to me because, um, you know, she didn't want to lose me at the same time because she was already losing me. And, um, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I didn't realize that until I moved here for college and I, you know, meeting new people, new friends and, um, my boyfriend now, he, he started taking interest in me. He started pursuing me. And I guess, dare I say, we got into an entanglement. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, I was emotionally drifting away from my four year relationship because I, found oh sorry i'm getting a little emotional here because uh, that's okay it it means a lot to me and it just kind of uh who i am today was because of uh meeting him i didn't break up with my ex for my current boyfriend you know i realized that i love who i am when i was with him and it's just as simple as that you know loving myself a lot more and I enjoyed myself so much. I like myself being around him and who I am and um and yeah and um my ex-boyfriend at the time he obviously knew something was going on and he didn't like that I was with all these new people because I think he was he felt like he was losing me so he was trying to take control and then uh he ended up breaking up with me first actually uh, and then a few days later he called me like nothing happened and i'm like whoa 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 no no because i guess i'm a person who if it's over it's over are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think, it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my situation. 
That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There's no single answer that's right for everyone. So I'm going to help you discover what's right for you and we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM or consensual non-monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool, exploring sexuality for later in life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling intimate life and together we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your free, no-obligation discovery call, visit leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcarry.com forward slash coaching. I really liked what you were saying a minute ago about how you felt about yourself yeah. with your boyfriend. That is how I chose my partner. You know, I was I was dating a bunch of different people. I was in my time of like wild exploration. <laughs> and um I had gotten to the point where I was sort of dating two people, my partner and another woman, uh sort of more seriously than anybody else and it it became really clear to me seeing the two of them in comparison with each other, that mm -hmm. when I was with her, I was so uptight. I was always yeah. afraid of saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I, was so, I was constantly stressed out. And when I was with my current partner, I just, I had fun. Like I liked the person who I was with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was what allowed me to make that choice. I wonder if I hadn't had those two people in opposition, if I might have ended up spending a lot longer with her because I didn't realize yeah. that it wasn't like that there could be something better for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I think he came at a, a very good time in my life where, because I think if it wasn't for him, I, I would have definitely married my ex and uh i probably have like four kids by now because it's <laughs> it's normal for a 24 year old to have at least three kids oh wow yes yeah so let's talk about your current boyfriend um yeah. <laughs> how did the two of you get together you said he started pursuing you actually he he knew my younger sister first because he's he's like three years younger than I am mm. and at first that was very weird for me I was not <laughs> comfortable with that because I'm like oh like and especially in the Hmong culture um, you want an older man so that he can take care of you you know mm. but um he started pursuing me and just kind of he was just fun and flirty and uh 
we had the same interests in yeah. almost like everything. And we can just have free conversations. I'm not so uptight. I can just be who I am. Yeah. And I, I just enjoyed myself so much. Were you aware of how much he liked you? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, he was very straightforward with it. And, you know, very... Try, he tried to do all this chivalrous, gentlemanly stuff. And, yeah. you know, and that, that won me because I, I never got that. Mm. Yeah. And that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. Is yeah. he also Hmong? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so big points in his favor. He's the kind of guy you're looking for. You feel <laughs> good about him and he's from your culture. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does he push yeah, you up but, against um, walls? Oh, yeah. When, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. When I think when he first did it, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm like, I've never had this before, but this is what I want. So, okay. It's cool. Let's, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So you had had sex once before him. Had he had sex before you? I'm his first. And I told him I was his first also mm-hmm. because of uh, the, culture fear that I had I was scared that oh, if I told him that I had sex like he was gonna look at me differently I'm now my value isn't as high as it's supposed to be um well uh, we were getting on and he made a comment he he was like haven't you done this before and uh I'm like no and I got a, okay, part, partially because I got offended too, because I'm like, whoa, who do you think I am? Like, <laughs> you, I'm not this like easy girl yeah. or whatever. And, and plus, like, I was scared that, you know, he was going to look at me differently if he knew that, um, I had already had sex. Yeah. So I held that from him for almost four years. He, wow. Yeah. So yeah, it, yeah, I did not tell him the truth until just really, really recently, uh, maybe sometimes last year. What gave you the courage to tell him what <laughs> changed? He was okay. It was more of my internal issues with myself. Um, but we were okay. But I stopped wanting to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, we when we first got together, we, we had sex like rabbits. <laughs> we were, you know, <laughs> it was, and, like he was, he was like, 19 20 years old and i was like yeah. you know 22 23 and you know uh sex was fun sex was new sex was good um yeah. but then eventually the age thing uh, it, it's only three years difference but it, it it keeps creeping back up on me because my parents actually didn't really like him mm-hmm. uh they liked my ex-boyfriend because my ex-boyfriend and i were perfect on paper we were the perfect couple on paper you know Uh, it would be the couple that my parents would be proud to present to the relatives Mm -hmm. and but with my current boyfriend oh first of all he can't really speak Hmong because he came from a more modern upraising um with his family and um I'm more traditional and my ex-boyfriend was much more traditional uh, so my parents was like, why would you leave your ex for this guy who isn't as good looking or um, as smart, you know, all that stuff. But uh, 
so it yeah even you know and um my my i remember my dad saying something about you know dating a young guy like eventually you you're gonna get old and he's gonna want a younger girl oh yeah and and that's a big big impact um yeah part of the culture older guys want younger girls and that knowledge of that part of the culture affected my body image a lot Mm -hmm. but yeah and you know uh my dad said that and it started yeah it started getting to me where i'm like oh what if what if he's only using me what if he's only with me because Mm -hmm. i i will give him sex you know yeah so it was all in my head you just mentioned body image. And so I'm, I'm curious to know what your relationship is with your body. How do you feel about your body? Um, right now I'm doing okay with it. Um, you know, there, uh, days where I'm just like, I don't want my body. There are days where I just not comfortable in my body. And I look at myself and I'm like, oh, if, only my shoulder was a little smaller and I look more petite and cute because Hmong girls are usually petite and short and cute. And I'm not that. And my mom actually, uh, she made a comment when I was much younger where she said, uh, I, I, I think my aunt bought me a, a shirt and I wore it to show my parents and my mom said, oh, your your head is too small for your body or and you have mm. your calves are as big as your dad's. Mm. And at first it didn't really I'm just like it didn't really dawn on me too much. But then uh, in high school, when I was in this dance group, Hmong dance group, we were practicing to perform. And then we went to one of the girls on to take our measurements for our costumes and after measuring up all of our measurements, she looked at the paper and she's like, oh, who's this girl with the broad shoulders? Oh, and, God. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and like, everybody just kind of looked at me and, like, giggled. Like, oh, that's you. She's talking about you. And, and I think that just kind of solidified what my mom had said. And, um, and, like, today, like, if I look at someone, like, the shoulders would be the first thing I look at if mm-hmm. I see someone. And, like... Like, I don't do it consciously, you know, I just, I, I just do it. And I'm like, oh, she's, she's petite, she's cute, then she's automatically beautiful. Mm. And, uh, and then, you know, yeah, yeah. And I look at myself, I'm like, oh, I, I, I wish my shoulder was a little smaller. My frame, I wish my frame was a little smaller so that I'm cute and beautiful. Yeah. I, I do the same thing with my legs. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. my father, made a lot of comments about my legs and how they were ugly. And mm-hmm. the first thing I look at on any woman that I see is her legs. Mm-hmm. And it's not a sexual thing. It's not yeah. like, I oh, I want you because of your legs. It's because I'm like fascinated but what by what pretty legs look like. And mm-hmm. what would it be like to live with those? I'm yeah. the same with legs too. Yeah, mm. I'm the same with legs too. Because my I do have muscular calves. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably admire your legs. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because to me, that's beautiful. Oh. <laughs> so you said that petite girls are considered beautiful. How tall are you? Um, I'm 5'3", five, around 5'2", five, 5'3", around there. That's pretty so petite. I'm, 
Oh, is it? Um, I'm actually considered tall for a Hmong girl. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Because a lot of Hmong girls are either five below. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, okay, let's, uh, we've sort of circled all around the block here. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go back to talking about sex with your current boyfriend. Yeah. Um, you said in the beginning you were having sex like rabbits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it good right away or did it take some time to get there? Um, you know, I think it, it took time. I, I pretended that it was good. Uh, <laughs> yes. it was a, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of performing at the beginning and, um, but yeah, it eventually got better. Do you have a sense of what happened that allowed it to get better? Was there a conversation between you? Was it just one or both of you relaxing? Like what happened? Mm, I think it was probably conversation. Not really because we, we, we're open to talking about sex, but I'm less at the time I was less open to exploring myself and it was more about his pleasure, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And, uh, I remember the first time I, I gave him a blowjob, like I did not want any penis in my mouth. Like I yeah. blowjobs were like, I thought, you know, I thought it was disgusting. Like that shouldn't go in my mouth. Um, but he really wanted it. And eventually I caved in and, uh, I gave him a little, it, it didn't last long. It was just like, you know, um, a little bit. And then I said, nope, I'm, that was disgusting. I'm done. I didn't tell him that I didn't like it. Uh, I just told him that I wasn't ready for it, but, um, uh, but I know that he, he liked it a lot. He really wanted it. So I did it for him. And, um, like he would go down me too. And I remember, uh, I think I was starting to focus on my pleasure where he had to go down me first or pleasure me first. I think he said something along the lines of like, must I pleasure you before I get anything out of it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it took me aback and I'm just like, wait a minute. Like I was pleasuring you all this time. And once I started focusing on me, it's like not fun anymore or something. And mm-hmm. so I felt I have to give him pleasure before he can t- uh, attend to my pleasure. Mm-hmm. But we, we totally grew from there. Uh, now it's all about me first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And he's Good perfectly man. okay with yeah, he's perfectly okay with that mm-hmm. now. But at the time he was also very young and all his sexual I concept and ideas were whatever he learned from porn. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's very much what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I wondered. <laughs> so um you mentioned that some t- I think you said it was about last year, you the two of you went through a period where you weren't really interested in sex. Mm-hmm. What was going on that like was it a physical thing? Was it an emotional thing? Um I I was still wanted a lot of physical touch and physical intimacy, but I just didn't want to have sex. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important distinction, by mm-hmm. the way, incredibly yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. I was, my family was going through some situation where my younger brother was arrested and it, 
it brought up some old trauma that I don't think I've ever really talked about. I was just uncomfortable in my own body and I just didn't want to have sex with them. And, um, and I felt like we were starting to distant a little bit because like he would try to initiate, but I would be like, no, not, not now, not today, you know, maybe tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And that would go on for quite a bit. And I felt bad for him because he's been so patient with me and so good to me. And he didn't shame me for any of it. Um, so that's when I was like, I need to get my shit together. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Can I ask you a kind of sensitive question that you're welcome to not answer if you want? Mm-hmm. Does this old trauma have to do with non-consensual sexual touch? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were two distinct incidences that I remembered. I'm very wary about Hmong men, older Hmong men, because um, in our culture, it's very common for an older Hmong man to... Um, marry a younger girl mm-hmm. if i were to go out with my dad people would question if i was his mistress or his daughter yeah and um so i'm i'm very wary of Hmong men and um just the fact that i could get snatched up to marry an old guy that i don't want to and so i and i've always felt watched by older relatives, men, uh, as a, you know, growing adolescent, you know, my body's growing. It it felt like they were just waiting for me to blossom. Mm -hmm. And so I was just always uncomfortable with the, uh, male gaze. Um, so like it affected me to the point where it affected the way I, I walk. And I didn't realize this until, you know, when I started exploring myself, if I had to walk past a group of men, Hmong men, I would have to, um, my body, I, I don't do it consciously, but my, I was slouch, my shoulders yeah. slouch. And sure. I, yeah, and, uh, I would straighten my walk so that my hips don't sway. Even though mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not curvy, I don't have hips, but I yeah. don't want any unwanted attention towards me at all, you know? Yeah. And so, it happened when I was a little younger. I think we had, when we have, we host ceremony and stuff, we have relatives over all the time uh, from different cities and stuff. So when that happens, they would usually sleep over. And I was sleeping out in the living room with uh, the kids so that the adults can take, you know, our, our beds. And um, this man came, it was in the middle of the night kind of just laid next to me and uh, um, he placed his hand on my stomach. I, I don't quite remember what happened, but I remember shouting in my head, like, please, no, please don't. I was probably in like my early years of middle school. Um, and, uh, but I, I, I was paralyzed. I didn't move. I didn't wake up. I just kind of 
let it happen, hope it's quick and that he goes away. Yeah. And, um, and he, uh, I remember, I think he rushing over my, over my breast, um, and my genital area, but it wasn't, it was over my clothes. Mm -hmm. And, but when he put my, his hand on my stomach, it was under my shirt and, um, and that uh, didn't last long, but that was all I remember of that. And I, I knew it happened, but it didn't really come up yeah. for years after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to check in with you. Do you know how common it is to freeze in that situation? To have that like internal screaming that's going on? But to at the same time be like, I am going to pretend that I'm asleep and maybe it will stop. Right? Do you know that that's common? I I think now I do. Yeah, but at the time at the at the time I I I didn't know what was going on. Yeah, yeah. It's really easy to judge ourselves um, for that response when so much of what we hear is scream, say no. Did you say mm -hmm. no? If you didn't say no, then you must have said yes. And yeah. none of that is true. Yeah. I'm really sorry. I'm and the too. fact that it happened over your clothes mm -hmm. doesn't change any of it, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, so all this stuff comes up last year. And I know you said that there were two instances, but I kind of don't want to mm -hmm. take you down the road of the second one unless you really want to go mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't mind talking about it. Okay. Um, it, um, it happened when uh, I don't, it must have been uh, in middle school too. Like a lot of stuff happened in middle school. Yeah. Um, and it happened at these family gatherings. And now that I think about it, like how easy it is to target kids at these family gatherings where everybody is just busy mm -hmm. doing their thing to continue, you know, make sure the ceremonial goes well. And um, at, at the time I lived in uh, the house I lived in, I lived upstairs and I had relatives living downstairs. So all the adults were downstairs doing the thing and the kids were upstairs, you know, playing around goofing off whatever and every now and then like uh, an adult would come up to check on us or to use the bathroom and uh i think i remember going i wanted to go downstairs to check on the what the adults were up to and i went through the back stairway and this man he was a boyfriend of a relative it felt like he came out of nowhere uh he came up behind me and gave me like a, a back hug. Yeah, he gave me like a back hug, but it, he made it sound like he was greeting me. Like, hey kid, you know, what, what are you up to? Whatever. But um his right hand was on my right my breast. Mm -hmm. And uh yeah, and like again I, I froze up and I you can't mistaken it for anything else, but that I was groped, you know, mm -hmm. um, cause it was, it was a firm grab on my breast and I didn't have a big breast then cause I, I was still growing, but it, it happened so quick, but it felt like slow motion. Yeah. And it, it he made it so casual that I almost like I had to, you know, I, I didn't know if it was, it really happened or not. 
Yeah. And, uh, but I know that I, I know that my body froze up and that he, after that, he went downstairs and in, instead of going down, I ran outside and I ran to the school playground and I just, I sat by hidden, uh, I was trying to hide by the slides and I think I just sat there and I don't remember thinking about anything or I was just kind of blank. I think I don't remember, but I must have sat out there for a while. And like, I remember feeling the sensation of his hand around my breast Mm -hmm. still, you know, and like, um, I think I was just confused also. And, and it's just kind of validated how I felt about Hmong men. Mm. Mm-hmm. That you know they're always out for the younger girls. They're always out for younger pussy, and mm-hmm. and I felt very uncomfortable with that. Even though I've only dated Hmong men because that's where I was comfortable in, and that was it was right in the traditional sense. It makes it all the more interesting that you've chosen a partner who's younger than you are, because yeah. he doesn't. He will never be that older Hmong man. At least yes. never older than you. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Huh. <laughs> so when all of these memories sort of came back, and I understand that you hadn't actually forgotten them, but maybe they mm-hmm. had sort of been put away in a closet. Um, when they all come flooding back, what did that do to you? Like, did you, were you able to go to therapy? Were you able to talk this out with somebody who could help? No, I was kind of figuring it out by myself. And I, I thought something was wrong with me, you know, like, oh, this is just, just a meat issue. I've only recently talked about these trauma with my sister and my boyfriend mm-hmm. just very recently. But other than that, I've never told anybody or talked about it or done anything with it. And, and when that, uh, was happening with my family. It just kind of, especially I think in my breast area. Uh, I know my boyfriend loves my boobs. Um, but I have issues with my boobs where, yeah, yeah it, I don't want them touched all the time, but he loves my boobs and now I'm okay mm. with it. But, um, and at the time, like I, I just didn't want to be touched or, nothing you know um like i want to be hugged and all that but i don't didn't want the focus to be on my breast Mm -hmm. that makes all this sense in the world yeah so i don't want to ask you to tell your sisters anything personal about your sister but i am curious when you told her these stories did she respond with something similar happened to me yeah um yeah i we, I knew something happened to her and, but I didn't say anything because, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't. And, um, I was telling her that I was sorry that she had to deal with that alone when I could have shared my experience with her and we could have done it together, you know. Um, but I think I was just, uh, partially in denial, partially don't, I, I think a part of me felt like if I talked about it, it became too real. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want it to be so real. 
Yeah. Yeah. While it might have been helpful for the two of you to be able to go through it together, you also did not have a responsibility to other people to share before you were ready because your nervous system can handle what it can handle at any given moment. And it sounds like your nervous system just was not ready Mm -hmm. to handle talking about it until later. And that's okay. Yeah. I get so many messages from listeners saying, thank you for the show. I've listened to the whole back catalog and it's helped me completely transform my sex life. Are you one of those people? If so, I'd love to have your support so I can keep growing this show and bringing a new vision of sexuality to the world. If you haven't done it yet, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast. I know the podcast industry does not make reviewing a show easy. So go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And it should lead you through the process of posting a review. I'd love to get 100 reviews by the end of the year, and I could use your help. And if you have the financial resources to support the sex positive work I do, I'd be so grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. And I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are now either illegal or heavily legislated. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Good Girls Talk About Sex. And speaking of Patreon, there is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free for everyone to listen to. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access it. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a contributor, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. You made a comment before we started uh, recording about how when you started listening to this podcast, things started making sense to you. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious what that means. Uh, just putting all of this together and I was always sexually seeking to pleasure myself, but I never talked to anybody about it or that, you know, that it was wrong. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think I just finally putting everything together and making sense of why I am the way I am. Yeah. How's your sex life with your boyfriend now? It's, it's good. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. (laughs) And how is your, um, 
interaction with your family, given that you have chosen to have sex with a man who is not your husband? My parents don't know. <laughs> I okay. will don't think I'll ever tell them, which is funny because my I found out that my mom had had me before she got married. And, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was because we uh I think at the time I was following uh my my school financial aid and it asked for their marriage date and my mom gave me a date that was like a few months before I was born. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, 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 the calculations did not make sense. <laughs> and and I'm like, Mom, what? And I was just kinda like, yeah, nah, whatever. <laughs> But that was like as close to talking about sex as we ever kind of got oh, wow. with my parents. Mm -hmm. Do you have any questions or concerns about sex or your sex life? No, not right now. I'm just very open to exploring. I'm listening to a lot more sex podcasts and presenting ideas to my boyfriend <laughs> and just having fun. And he's like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> But okay, you know, because <laughs> it's like this new me who's just like, ah, oh, like, I want to be sexual yeah. and like, it's fun to talk about it openly and it's okay. And he's very open about it too. Um, oh, uh, going back to when he made the comment in mm -hmm. the car, I did actually ask him why he asked, why he assumed that I had, I had already had sex and he's like, oh, well. All my friends around me, they, they were all having sex. <laughs> when I told him, actually, I was so nervous. I was so scared um, that he was going to be upset and be mad that I held this from him for so many years, you know, because there's just this men mentality that they have to be the first yeah. penis or or else like they're, I don't know, I don't know what's with men <laughs> and virginity yeah. and I actually, every day I go home from work, I'm going to, I tell myself, okay, today's the day I'm going to tell him and it's going to be okay. I'm going to tell him. And then it, I just ended up not telling him until I text him. I'm like, I have something to tell you, you know, just keep <laughs> myself accountable. And he's like, right. okay. And then that night I kept saying, I'm so scared. I'm so scared that like, you're going to be mad. Like I, I'm so scared. And I think I, it was to the point where he thought that I was going to confess that I was cheating on him or something. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And he's like, just tell me. I'm like, you're, you're not my first. And he's like, Oh, that's it. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. Was it ha like, has it always been this like, okay? You know? <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, that, that's cool. That's fine doesn't bother me like you're like we're together now so it doesn't bother me so and that I think mm. that took a huge lift off my shoulders and I think yeah. that also allowed me to be explorative with our sex life <laughs> yeah do you think that the two of you will get married I would like to see it happen because of what happened with my ex where I was you know it was like I'm a little more wary about marriage because mm -hmm. with my ex, it was like, we will get married. It's this or nothing. 
But uh, a part of me is also afraid that we're that if we don't end up together, then I, I kind of just protecting myself from being disappointed or if we don't end up together kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, understand I think, mm-hmm, but I think we were both in the same mindset. We're just not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, my parents yeah. are so, oh, are very frustrated because I'm 27 year old and that's considered very old for a Hmong girl to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this is, you're supposed to have like three kids now, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for the lowdown. The things we're dying to know, but would usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Do you have sex during your period? Um, not yet, but I think I'm slowly starting to be open to the idea. Yeah. What's the approximate number of sex partners you've had? Two. <laughs> it's easy when the number is yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, we've already talked about some of these a little bit, but I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you anyway. Um, have you ever had sex with someone with a different racial identity than your own? No. And does that interest you at all? Or is your preference to stay within your, your culture and your race? Right now, it's to stay within my race, but I I do, you know, fantasies, but (laughs) other than that, yeah. (laughs) What's your favorite sex toy? Um, I'm still exploring, but right now, probably my hand. Great answer. What's your favorite sex position? Oh, um... Uh, I don't, I, what is this position? <laughs> um, kind of like on my side, laying down on the side. With him in front know. of you or behind you? Behind me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you prefer to initiate or for your partner to initiate lovemaking? For him, because I, I prefer to be the submissive one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are you generally more active or more passive in the bedroom? Um, A little bit of both but probably a little more passive. Do you prefer clit stimulation or penetration? Mm. Um, let's see, both. Do you enjoy G-spot stimulation? Yes. Do you enjoy having your breasts played with? Every here and now. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it is that makes it a time when you're yes, I want to have this versus when you're feeling like, no, not really. Most likely when I'm really turned on and if he's touching me right, then yeah. And my body is okay with it. Then, then he can go in and play with whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Do you think it's generally easy or challenging for you to orgasm? Um, challenging. Yeah, uh, it takes me quite a bit <laughs> to get there. Mm-hmm. Have you ever faked an orgasm? Yes, <laughs> many. <laughs> <laughs> Not so under much what- anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So under what circumstances would you fake an orgasm? Um, Usually if I just want to get over with, yeah, and uh, a lot bef- 
in our, you know, uh, earlier in our relationship when I just, when he wanted it, I'm just like, okay, come and get it and then be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, do you prefer the orgasm from masturbating or from sex with another person? Masturbating. Yeah. What's different about it for you? Um, I think just, uh, the, my pacing and just that it's, it's faster. Mm-hmm. What kind of touch do you enjoy most? Uh, very light feather like touch. What are your hard red lines? Things you, you absolutely don't want to do. Age play. Is that something that's come up? No, but I, I've kind of looked into it, but it wasn't for me. Yeah. I, I only ask because that's, um, that's something that I wouldn't necessarily expect to hear unless somebody mm-hmm. had been, oh, that it yeah. had been requested of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, my, my boyfriend is, he's not that explorative. <laughs> so, so I come up with a few ideas. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Are there sexual things you've tried that you never want to do again? No, not really. Uh, not nothing that I can think of. I I know um, for anal we've tried it once. Uh, it was <laughs> um, he actually at the time he I didn't really want to do anal and he was just like he he just wanted to try it and I was just like okay <laughs> and he just kind of. Stuck it in, and after like a few pumps, he's like, "Yeah, yeah." Um, I was my body was not ready for it, and after like you know a few pumps, he's like, "Okay, never mind. It don't look like you enjoyed it." <laughs> and after that, um, I had asked him if he's interested in trying it again because I think eventually I might mm-hmm. be open to it, but he tells me no. But I feel like that's just him trying to be respectful of me and what he did to me. <laughs> so yeah, it is into that, like, let's do it and dive in. That is not going to be pleasant. <laughs> but there are lots of ways to sort of warm up the area and, and mm-hmm. gradually yeah. introduce that kind of play that makes it a lot of fun. For yeah. People. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, how do you feel about porn? Um, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Do the two of you watch it? Um, we did like once together earlier in our relationship. And, uh, at the time, I guess I, at the time I was kind of in denial of watching porn. So I didn't, didn't really respond to him much with that. But yeah, I, because for me, I think porn is such a private thing. Uh, so it felt weird watching it with him, even though mm. um, porn in my childhood growing up was actually very funny and not traumatizing. Yeah. When you say funny, what does that mean? Oh, um, my my dad, he loves porn. <laughs> and um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, my siblings and we actually we found his stashes of porn magazines and porn movies and uh, we've watched it together, looked at it together, and, like, it's just kind of a curious, fun thing. Like, there was no sexual, like, anything about it. It was just like, oh, like, you know, just curiosity. And, um, yeah, actually, uh, my, my brother and I, one night, 
we we snuck out, climbed up out to the roof to look through the window, and my dad was watching porn, and uh, I he caught my brother because I I ran inside first, and <laughs> my brother was so mad that I didn't get in trouble, uh, so he's hold that against me too until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love your family stories. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 So porn has never been like a, a bad thing sure. or, you know, like my dad doesn't want us to watch them, but <laughs> um, it, it's always been like a curious, fun thing. Yeah. Um, do you have hair down there or are you bare? I have hair. Yeah. Um, too much work to <laughs> go bare. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to assume from everything that we've talked about that you've never had a threesome. Do you have any curiosity about threesomes or group sex? Yes. I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this not too long ago. If we were to have a threesome, I would prefer to be a gr- another girl and um, to and want both of their attention on me. <laughs> Uh-huh. All about yeah. me. <laughs> and at first he was, <laughs> at first with, uh, he was kind of iffy about it. Cause he's like, ah, oh, pleasuring two girls is too much work. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, but both of your attentions on me. So he, and then he, if it's like that, that he, he might be open to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> do you enjoy giving blowjobs? I do now. Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, it's gotten to the point where I seeing him being pleasured is uh, pleasuring me. So, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you swallow? Not really. Sometimes if I feel very hot and turned on. <laughs> uh-huh. But a lot of the time I don't really swallow. Yeah. Do you enjoy receiving oral sex? Yes. Do you ever worry about your smell or taste? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, but with him, he's fine to just go in at it if, even if we're sweaty and, <laughs> and, and, you know, smelly. But I, for myself, I prefer to be clean and smell good down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you consider the quote unquote kinkiest thing you enjoy? With the understanding that everybody's scale of kink is completely mm-hmm. different. Um, the kinkiest we've ever tried was probably dress up. Yeah, he's very into like uh, the secretary, uh-huh. <laughs> teacher, <laughs> kind of a dress up look, businesswoman. So yeah, we, we've done that. Um, I'm going to totally interrupt myself because I just had a question pop into my head that I don't want to lose track of. Okay. Um, you've mentioned that with your first boyfriend, part of what wasn't working for you was this sort of assumption that you should be docile and submissive mm-hmm. and that that wasn't exactly who you wanted to be. You've also mentioned that in the bedroom, you tend to be more submissive. So I, I want to ask you, in your relationship with your current boyfriend, I'm imagining that the way that plays out is that you're not submissive in the rest of your life, yeah. but you enjoy being submissive in the bedroom. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's actually pretty, uh, pretty common. Um, but that does that feel to you like it's more true to who you are? Oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Good. Yeah, I, I like to have a lot of control. And, um, and he allows he lets me do my thing. And if I'm having like a control and anxiety thing going on, he just lets me have that time and then, <laughs> and then come and um, try to work with me after that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Thank you for taking that little detour with me. Yeah. Um, back to the questions. <laughs> Do you enjoy dirty talk during sexual encounters? I think I would, I would like more, but we're not very good at it yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think I would like it more though. Do you enjoy laughter during sexual encounters? Yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Have you ever felt a sexual urge that confused you? Yeah. Uh, looking up like older men porn with, mm. yeah, age play and porn sometimes. Yeah. So interesting. Given that you have so much um, discomfort mm -hmm. around the idea of older men with younger women, that that is a place. It's also, I should say, completely normal that are some of the things that we've felt less control over or we feel uncomfortable about then end up becoming some of our fetishes. Like that is a completely normal thing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really interesting to see it play out in that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your favorite part of your body? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really thought about it. Uh, probably with my face, but I'm slowly starting to be okay with my shoulders. Oh, I'm and so happy to hear that. Yeah. 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 Good. Uh, what's your least favorite part of your body? My shoulders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's something about your current sex life that isn't quite as satisfying as you'd like it to be? I'm not sure actually, because since we're still, we're still in the very, uh, explorative stage. So I feel like there's a lot of potential. Great. What belief did you have about sex as a child or teenager that you wish you could go back and correct her on now? Oh, so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, just everything till now that it, it, it's okay and that. It's not your fault that mm. you try so hard to protect yourself from unwanted attention. Um, and that even if it, it, it happened, it, it's not your fault that you didn't, you shouldn't blame yourself that you didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that your inner little girl and teenager will be able to hear that. Yeah. Leah, that brings us to the end of this conversation. Thank you so much for mm. having this talk with me. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much for having me and for everything that you do. I, I believe in everything that you do and all your, all your guests and learning so much for myself as well. That's it for today. 
Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Asiello. And I'm incredibly grateful for the financial support from Good Girls Talk About Sex community members at Patreon. If you'd like to support me in telling these stories and answering your questions, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. You can find show notes and show transcripts at www.goodgirlstalk.com. To ask a question about your sex life, your desires, or anything to do with female sexuality, call and leave a message at 720-GOOD-SEX. And before we go, I want to remind you that the things you've probably heard about your sexuality are not true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are not broken. I work with women just like you to reflect their true sexual nature back to them without the judgment, shame, or fear that can get in the way of us seeing it for ourselves. As a coach and PJ Party hostess, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. I'm here to help you sink so deeply into your true sexuality that the version of yourself that was scared to speak up for her own needs feels like a mirage from another lifetime. Until next time, here's to your better sex life. Mm